Good morning, everyone. My name's Chad, by the way. So a few years ago, I, I went for a drive with a friend of mine in Texas, and I was sitting in the passenger seat of his diesel-powered two-ton truck. And as we began our drive, my friend launched into this impromptu but impassioned speech. He was talking about being, you know, self-sufficient. He was talking about pulling himself up by his own bootstraps and being a self-made man. In ten minutes or so into his lecture, he was interrupted by the shrill cries of a haywire GPS, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. So we pulled off the road and into the parking lot of a gas station to fix our navigation system, and I just wanted to laugh out loud at the absurdity of the situation, because it struck me that despite all of our tough guy bloviating, that we couldn't get to a new restaurant without the help of thousands of engineers from all over the world who'd gathered in Silicon Valley and spent years to develop Google Maps. So much for bootstraps and self-sufficiency. This past December, I went for a drive of a different kind with a, a cohort of scholars and activists of community leaders and NGO leaders in Uganda. And we'd gathered for a two-week institute uh, run by an organization that I work with and Kendra works with called Communities Engaging with Difference and Religion. And we call it CEDAR for short because that's unwieldy. And CEDAR is a, it's a global educational network that seeks to investigate complex social problems using a pedagogy of engagement. We try to go and we meet people and we see the concrete circumstances on the ground, look people in the eye, and we centralize experiences of and with difference in these interactions. So this group of fellows that I was a part of had gathered in Uganda to study the refugee crisis that's going on in northern Uganda caused by the failed state and the civil war in South Sudan. So our group, you know, we gathered and we piled into this old Mercedes people mover bus where everything that could possibly rattle was rattling. And we headed north from Kampala to spend some time in the refugee settlements that dot along the northern Ugandan border with South Sudan. The scale of the refugee crisis uh, caused by the ongoing war in South Sudan is rivaled only by that in Syria. One United Nations official who we spoke with on the ground in Uganda estimated that there were about 2.4 million South Sudanese living in Uganda that have occurred over the last 10 years. Uh, so while Syrian refugees, though, have often been met with hostility and suspicion in the Western nations that they've gone to and sought refuge in, there's no such widespread enmity against the strangers in Uganda. In large part, Ugandans have welcomed the South Sudanese who seek refuge in their nation with remarkable generosity. Communities all along the border and even further south have given of their own land and limited resources to harbor these strangers. And they've, in, in the process, they've asked little to nothing in return, and, and their government supports them in the ways that they can, but they basically do this for free. So while the wealthiest nation in the history of the world at this same time was busy turning away those who came to its shores in search of shelter and safety, viewing these sanctuary-seeking strangers with fear and suspicion and justifying its actions through a framework of security and scarcity... Impoverished Ugandans were giving generously of their own property to harbor strangers who came to them in need. 
And so I'm interested in what can account for the differences between the behaviors of these two nations. And we'd be here all day and well into next week if we really tried to account for all of the factors at play here. We'd have to talk European colonialism, African tribal nation cultures, and we just don't have time for that. So I want to focus on one thing, and I think it's the importance of memory. So today we heard from the 10th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy amongst the scriptures. And it says, you shall also love the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. The command to love the stranger, which God gives here to the Hebrew people, is rooted in the memory that they too were once strangers. The act of remembering, the passage suggests, bestows an obligation and makes a connection. Just as you were once strangers seeking refuge, so too are these. In Uganda, I was reminded of an important truth. Remembering a past as a stranger seeking refuge alerts one to the ever-present nature of human vulnerability and the fact that one might one day be in search of refuge oneself. This consciousness of human vulnerability instills in a community a deep sense of the need to both care for and to be cared for by others. This is a basic of human community, that in order to receive our rights, others must uphold their obligations towards us. And for others to receive their rights, we must uphold our obligations towards them. This is the basis of sustainable community and reciprocity. Without it, things fall apart. So at the end of one of our drives in Uganda, the Cedar Group ended up at a community discussion held between about 100 or so South Sudanese refugees and a handful of Ugandan officials who were in charge of the welfare of these settlements. So for a couple of hours, community members stood in the center of a gathered circle much like this, some airing grievances, some offering thanks for care, some raising issues of concern, and some uh, expressing their deep wishes and desires in sort of a communal mourning at their wish to go back to South Sudan and to see the war ended and to be reunited with family that's lost and scattered and don't know if they're alive or not. So... At the, at the end of one of these discussions, I, I sort of took aside one of the Ugandan community leaders, a guy named Abu Bakr, and I asked Abu, I said, I was like, why are the Ugandan people giving of their own land to host these people? What's going on here? What's the story? What's the motivation behind this? Um, and he kind of looked at me, and he had a, a knowing smile on his face, and he sat down and, and said to me that, he explained that he too was once a refugee and that many people in this northern region of Uganda over the past 50 years have had to flee from war, they've had to flee from famine, and they've fled in any direction they could possibly go. And they've been people who've received refuge, many of them in southern Sudan, what's now South Sudan after 2011. So he said to me, he said, we welcome the refugees because we were once refugees. And he, who knows, he said, someday we may have to seek refuge from the South Sudanese again. And echoing a, a Jewish carpenter many of us here are probably familiar with, Abu Bakr noted, we're all potential refugees, and we must treat each other as we would want them to treat us. And I think one of the dangers in the bootstraps narratives that are really popular in our culture 
is that it blinds us to the inescapable, deep fact of our reliance on other people. From the time we're born until the time we die, we need other people to keep us alive. Yet the structure of our commoditized economy means that for most of us, the only interaction we have with the people who make our food, who make our clothing, who build our homes, who provide our roads, is through the exchange of money. It's a commoditized relationship that breaks down some of the community barriers. There's benefits to it. There's, there's you know, impediments to it. But when that's the only relationship we have to a lot of these, these deep structures of need and reliance on others, we start to get into this myth of self-reliance, that the only person I need is myself. And I think this becomes dangerous because it's a lie. We all need help from someone, and remembering that fact is key to cultivating a community in which we remember our obligations, to do what we can to help those in need, just as others have certainly done for us in the past. So to put a bow on this package and tie things together with our summer worship theme, seeing the image of God around us, I'll say this. When I saw Ugandan farmers giving of their own land, to house strangers fleeing a war. And when I saw poor Ugandan people extending a hand of welcome to refugees, asking little in return, I saw an act of God. As the scriptures we read today remind us, God is one who loves strangers and provides for refugees. The act of welcoming the stranger, of offering sanctuary to the stranded, these are acts of God. And to me, the image is clear. Amen. So this summer, in in a couple of weeks, Kendra and I are going to be heading down to Texas, and we've been working for the past two years, um, really since since the election took off, recognizing that there's an enormous gap in American culture between people of all you know shapes and sizes and stripes and colors, and we're we're becoming strangers to one another. So we're bringing people from all over the world. We're bringing people from all over the the country. We have people from Boston, Michigan, Houston. Kosovo, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Zimbabwe, Uganda, coming together in Fort Worth and Abilene, Texas for two weeks in July to explore many of the issues in American politics, in American life, in American society that are rendering us apart and to see if it's possible to build new bridges of trust and open new avenues of communication to get beyond these rhetorical binds we find ourselves in. And we may be successful, we may not be. <laughs> and, uh, but so we'll be taking up an offering later today, and the offering is going to go to help support some of the travel costs for many of the fellows who are coming from far, far away to join us in Texas and hopefully to teach us some things about how they deal with difference and conflict in their communities as well.